We're starting this brand new series called Living a Dream. And uh, today we're kicking off this series with the title, Never Dream Alone. You see, I believe this, that everybody should have a dream for their life. Everybody needs to have a dream. And maybe you've come today and you've had a difficult time seeing the dream come to pass in your life. Maybe you've come here today and you feel like giving up on that dream. And it's our hope that through this teaching series that you will be inspired to live God's dream for your life. Because God has a dream for your life. Did you know that? God has a dream. He wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you live life to the full. He doesn't want to see you just to survive life, but he wants to see you thrive in life. God has a dream for your life. And today we're going to learn how we should never dream alone. We should never dream alone. When I was in high school, um, I had a dream in my life. God put it in my heart that I was going to be a pastor someday. I was going to go into ministry. So I went to college to prepare for that, to get my education and After my freshman year of college, I came back home that summer and I started to take my eyes off of that dream. And I actually, I played basketball in college and I had a successful freshman season. And for some reason, I thought I was better than I really was. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I started kind of thinking, man, I could go play at a bigger school. And I called some different coaches trying to make things happen on my own, trying to chase a different dream. But I wasn't dreaming alone. I'm so thankful I had friends and I had family and specifically my college coach who was able to speak into my life and tell me, Troy, you're really not that good. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Speak into my life and help me to stay true to the dream that God had for me. So I went back to college and finished my education. I met and married my beautiful wife, Jessica, and we have three children and we've enjoyed several years of ministry together. I'm living the dream today because I wasn't dreaming alone. I wasn't dreaming alone. And I want to challenge you this morning, never, ever dream alone. John chapter 17, turn in your Bibles to John 17 and uh, verse one, it says this, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, father, the hour has come, glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one that you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. You see, Jesus is having a conversation with his father. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's go time. He had accomplished the work. His life was coming to an end. And Jesus knew that he was soon going to be crucified. And, and he's burdened now for his followers. He's burdened for these disciples and these few followers that he was leaving behind. And he's burdened for them because he's thinking, oh my goodness, I got to leave the whole thing up to these guys. I mean, these guys were knuckleheads. You know what I'm talking about? If you know anything about them, man, they're kind of, they fought with each other. They're always saying kind of dumb things and, and all this. And Jesus is thinking, I'm leaving the dream up to these guys. It's like parents, if you, you know, when you get to that place where you have to leave your kids home without a babysitter for the first time, just like, okay, don't burn the house down. Don't kill each other, period. That's it. That's all you're concerned about. 
And Jesus is, he's wondering, man, I got to leave it up to these guys. I got to leave the dream up to these guys. And he's concerned for them. So he prays for them. Look at verse nine, John 17. He says this, my prayer is not for the world. He wasn't concerned for everyone else at that time, but for those that you have given to me because they belong to you. He's burdened for his followers. It's sometimes said that when someone faces death, that that one's conversations reveal their deepest passions and hopes and dreams. And that's why we honor dying wishes. and, And here we see Jesus in the final hours of his life. It clues us in onto his chief concerns. We see his heart. We see what he's all about. We see what he is concerned about more than anything else. And this really kind of blows me away because the chief concern that Jesus had in John 17 was the depth of relationship that his followers would have when he was gone. That blows my mind. That's what he was concerned about. Look in verse 11. And, and again, this prayer, it's so magnified because, because he's about ready to die. He's about ready to be, be killed and, and, and buried. And then he rise, he rise from the dead. And then he's off to be with his father. And he's leaving his followers behind. And look in verse 11. He says this. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now catch this. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. You see, his prayer was, was not, it blows my mind, his prayer wasn't that they would be able to cast out demons or, or heal sick people or have courage and have power to preach to people or have a lot of knowledge. His concern was that his followers would be close, that they would be united, that they would come together. His concern was that they wouldn't have to dream alone, that they would have others around them. And you know what? God has the same dream for you today. His dream is that you won't have to dream alone. His dream is that you will have close relationships. Look at verse 20, John 17. In verse 20, it says this. I am praying not only for these disciples, catch this, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. He's not just praying for these 12 disciples and some of these other followers. He's praying for everybody else. All of us, anybody that believes in Jesus Christ, he's praying for them. And here's his prayer. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. He's praying that they'll be unified. You see, God's dream is for his followers to have close, life-giving relationships, that his followers would be unified regardless of their background, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their personality, their likes and dislikes. His dream is that his people will come together and will be unified. And guess what? Here at People's Church, we're seeing that happen. Man, we see people, we're living the dream here. We see people from all different walks of life, different race and different likes and dislikes, different backgrounds. We're coming together. We're unified. We are one through Jesus Christ. You see, God's dream is that you'll have close relationships. Maybe today you've come to this place and you're ready to give up on your dream. God's put a dream in your heart. You're ready to give up on your dream because you've been dreaming all by yourself. You've been dreaming all alone. And God would say to you today, he said, hey, 
Don't give up on your dream. Live the dream that I have for you. But you can't live the dream all by yourself. You need to come together. You need to be unified. You need to have close relationships, people that will speak into your life. Today, I want to give you three reasons that God wants us to have close relationships. Three reasons. Number one is this. Close relationships, they prove that Christianity is real. They prove that Christianity is real. If you turn over just a few pages to your left in your, in your Bible, John chapter 13 and verse 35, look at this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. See, Jesus says, hey, this is a new command. He's talking a new language. He couldn't, he couldn't pull out a New Testament, you know, a pocket New Testament. Jesus didn't have that. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the law. And he's speaking a new language to these followers. He's not speaking the Old Testament law. He came to fulfill the law. He came to make it better. He's talking a new language. He's talking grace and forgiveness and love. And he says, hey, here's a new command. You guys need to love one another. You need to love one another. Now, this is such a huge deal. Catch this. Feel the weight of this next statement in verse 35. Look at this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not if you heal sick people or not if you preach a great message or not if you have a lot of faith or you have a lot of courage and boldness. People are going to know that you are my followers if you love one another. If you guys are close, man, if you get along. You see, if you are a follower, followers of Christ today, it is so important that we, gotta, we have to get this thing right. There's so much at risk here. There's so much at risk here. We have to get this thing right. If we don't love one another, if we're not close, if we're not living in community, if we don't have unity, then it compromises the validity of Christ and who he is and what he has accomplished on the cross. If we don't get along, if we don't have community. You see why we emphasize community groups. Man, it's so important that we're connected. We emphasize it here at People's Church. You know, I, when I was a kid growing up, my, I have a younger brother. He's a year younger than me. And uh, you know that scripture? There's a scripture in the Bible that says a brother was born for adversity. Well, we live that scripture out big time. All right, man, we would fight. He's a year younger than me, man. We just, we would fight like crazy. We'd always get after each other. And, you know, today we're best friends. He lives in Indiana. We talk on the phone all the time. He was just here visiting. But then we would fight, man. We had some battles going on, especially, you know, watching wrestling on TV. And then we try the moves on each other, you know, all that kind of stuff. Man, we would fight like crazy. And one day we were fighting and my dad had just enough of it. Parents, you know what I'm talking about when you have just enough. And my dad had a unique form of discipline that day. We were probably 13 and 14 years old, maybe 14, 15, but we're teenagers. And, and my dad says, all right, guys, I'm sick of this. Get out in the front yard and you have to sit down in the grass, leaning up against each other back to back. Do you know how awkward that was? Do you know how dumb we looked? I mean, here we are in the front yard, cars are driving by. You know, people honking at us, looking at these two teenage boys just sitting by each other. And, and I'm like, hi, you know, waving to people and they come by, you know, 
people walking their dogs and kind of giving us weird looks. What are you guys doing, man? But you know, my dad was, he's, he's a godly man and he was trying to, trying to train up some boys to, to care for one another, not to fight. And he knew that if we couldn't care for each other, we probably wouldn't be able to care for others. So, and in fact, he would say this, he would say, Hey guys, if it doesn't work at home, don't try to export it. And here's what, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Hey, a new command I give you love one another. And by this, everyone's going to know that you are my disciples. They're going to know that this thing is real. If you love one another, if you care for one another, you see, it's really difficult for people to believe in Christ. If people who claim to follow Christ don't get along, it's really difficult. In fact, it turns some people off. When followers, people who say, yeah, I follow Christ, when they fight with each other and they gossip about each other and they don't have close relationships, it's very damaging to the dream that God has for this good news to be proclaimed all around the world. It's very damaging because people will turn off Christianity. They'll be like, man, that thing is irrelevant. It's not real. It's counterfeit. They can't even get along. So so they, they dismiss the message of Jesus Christ. You see, I believe this, people's church, that that church should be the most loving and the most welcoming and the most caring environment in all of society. I believe it should be church. People should be able to see the care, the concern, the closeness that, that people have with one another. And in order for us to have this kind of relationship, guess what? We have to get to know each other. You can't just come to church on Sunday and go out the back doors and not talk to anybody. We have to get to know one another. We have to get involved in some sort of small group. You see, church doesn't just take place sitting in rows. It takes place sitting in circles. We have to connect. We have to get involved and build community with one another. So close relationships, they prove that Christianity is real. Here's the second reason that God wants you to have, a close, have close relationships in your life. Number two is this. They contribute to your success in life. As Jesus in John 17 is getting ready to die and, and uh, go to the cross and he is burdened for his followers, I guarantee you he's looking out at these guys and he's thinking, oh my goodness, if they are going to succeed, if they're going to have any chance to succeed, they're going to have to stick together. Man, they have to come together. If they're going to succeed, they have to come together. And you know what the beautiful thing is? You can read in the New Testament, if you read through the book of Acts, man, the followers of Christ, they came together. They were unified. They would pray with one another. They met in each other's homes. They were connected to one another and they had huge success. I mean, here they took this dream of taking the good news around the world. And listen, just a few followers of Christ today, Today, over 2,000 years later, today there's an estimated 2 billion people on the planet that say that they follow Jesus Christ because these guys stuck together. They were successful because they came together. You see, when I was in college, I, I mentioned that I played basketball in college and, and uh, my junior year, we won the national championship. You may have seen us. You may have seen us beat Duke on ESPN for the national championship. I'm just playing. Okay, that was a joke. Some of you are like, really? No. I went to a small school, a Christian college, Central Bible College, and but we had a good team, and we, we won the national championship. But you know what? We weren't the most talented team. 
In fact, there were, there were games we'd go out for pregame warmups and, and I'm looking at the, the competition and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to get killed. You know, in fact, there were times I, I wanted to run back into the locker room and cry. And the, no, I'm just joking about that. But I mean, we weren't the most talented team. We weren't the most talented. We, but, but you know what? We had success because really one of the main reasons is we came together. Man, we played as a team. We worked as a team. We were unified and it brought success on the court. Ephesians chapter four or Ecclesiastes chapter four. If you look at the scripture here, Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse nine, it says this, two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. That's awesome. Two people are better than one. They help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Two people are better than one. They help each other to succeed. We are better together than we are all by ourselves. We can be more successful. I believe this. If you'll get connected if you'll be involved in a community group, you find close relationship, you build each other up, you'll be encouraged and you'll be more successful as a, as a husband, as a wife. You'll be more successful as an employee. You'll be college students. I believe you'll be a better student when you have people around you that can encourage you. You'll be more successful in overcoming the difficulties of life, the challenges of life. You'll be more successful to live the dream that God has for you. When you have close relationships, they will help you to succeed. Here's the third reason that God wants us to have close relationships is this. Number three, they make life complete. Close relationships make life complete. According to George Gallup, Americans are some of the loneliest people in the world. Now that just blows my mind. It's really sad. It's really ironic because here in our culture today, we live in such a culture that, that is so in tune with networking and we have, you know, the social networking is all the rage and everybody has a Facebook and they have a Twitter and man, we are so networked. We're so connected to one another. And, and man, I love, I love all that. I love Facebook. I love Twitter. In fact, I would love to connect with more people from people's church on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. So hit me up on Facebook and Twitter so I can get connected with more people from people's church. I love all that stuff, but you know what's happened? What's happened is Facebook and Twitter and all these kind of things, it's complicated the, the idea of having meaningful relationships. It's complicated it. You know, you meet somebody, you start talking and, and, and you say, oh man, I'll give you a call. And man, you call that person's cell phone, you leave a message and then they text message you back and then you email them to their Blackberry and then, and then they Facebook you and then, and then you Twitter them back and you're doing all this stuff and you've never had a meaningful conversation. Just blows my mind. I mean, it's made, it's made meaningful relationships difficult. I, as I was thinking about this, I was remembering a couple years ago, uh, my wife and I were sitting on the couch, the kids were in bed, and we both had our computers out. And um, <clears throat> we were on Facebook, and we were instant messaging each other on Facebook while we were sitting by each other on the couch. I'm like, what is wrong with this? And we were just kind of goofing around. But anyway, you, you get the idea. It's, it's made it more difficult and challenging, I think, to really have meaningful relationships. Gallup says that Americans are lonely. 
Americans are lonely, yet our lives are, man, we're, it's full of activity. There's, there's lots of activities surrounding us. We have busy schedules. There's a lot of people in our lives. We have bosses and we have coworkers and we have neighbors and we have acquaintances and, and there's so many people in our life, but, but sometimes we're, we live a lonely life. Life is not complete when we're lonely. And see, here's what's happened. So many people are friendly with lots of strangers, but they don't take the time to develop meaningful relationships. In America, we, we can be friendly. We have lots of people we're connected with and, and we're, we're, we're friendly with a lot of strangers and a lot of acquaintances, but we don't take the time to build these meaningful, life-changing relationships that we need to have. Maybe today you're, you're lonely. Maybe today you've come to this place and you've been living the dream all alone and life is not complete and maybe nobody would even know it. And, you know, life is busy. You have a lot of activity. You're involved in a lot of things, but, but really in, deep down inside, you're, you're missing that closeness and, and, and you're lonely today. You see, this is the opposite of God's dream for you and I. It's the opposite of God's dream. God's dream for you and I is that we would have close relationships, that we would have meaningful relationships that we would have people that would come alongside of us that we could share life with, that they could build us up, that they could encourage us in the ups and the downs of life. Colossians or first Corinthians chapter 12. If you would look there, first Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 25, it says this, this scripture here It's a powerful scripture. And it says this, this makes for harmony among the members talking about the church, talking about Christians, people who come together, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members would care for each other. Everybody say care. All the members that people within the church, that they would care for one another. There'd be a sense of community. It goes on to say this, listen to this. If one part suffers, then all the parts suffer with it. You see, here's God's plan. If we go through a time where we suffer, Maybe we lose a job. Maybe we lose a loved one. Maybe, maybe we're having a tough time with our kids. Maybe, maybe you're a college student or a high school student. You're having a tough time with your studies and you're going through a difficult time. You see, God's plan is that we would be involved in community, that we would not have to walk through it alone, that if one part suffers, then, then other people can come alongside and can pray with you and can, and can cry with you and can encourage you and build you up. It goes on to say this, and if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. That man, life happens and, and good things happen. You get a promotion at work or maybe you graduate from college or your kids are on the honor roll or, or whatever it is, man, you have people in life that, that are able to come alongside and say, man, that's awesome. Let's celebrate together. They're able to encourage you. You do life with other people. You see, it makes life more complete when we do life with others. When we don't have to dream alone, that's what community is all about. And you see here at People's Church, that's happening. That's happening. We have community groups where people are connected. They're in a smaller group setting. They're not, they're not just sitting here on a, on a Sunday morning in rows, but they've gotten into circles and they're connected with one another and they do life with each other. And this kind of relationship has taken place. I want you to see real quick a video of, of one of our community groups and how life is happening, how connection is taking place. And when we first started, um, 
getting involved in community groups, like we were really hesitant at first. Like we didn't really want to get involved. Like it totally freaked us out. Well, it freaked me out anyway. Like I can get up and sing in front of a bunch of people. Like I can talk in a huge group and I'm fine. But when it goes to that intimate setting of a community group, it just like it scares me to death. And so we just decided that we were going to take the plunge and try um, to plug into one. And we went to a couple different groups and we found one that we really liked and just felt like we really connected and we were loved and accepted and um, just made some really great friendships. Oh man, I've, I've built tons of friendships. I mean, I've built best friends, you know, has come out of the community groups for me. And not just one, but but many. Community groups has been a place of uh, friendship, a place where I can find prayer, a place where I can grow spiritually, accountability. But um, it's something that is very valuable to me. Funny story, we are actually going to be leading one. And um, it's just crazy to how, how God just works, you know. It's something that you, you're hesitant with and something that you're scared about. And, and God just takes you to the next level. And he... Um, he just makes it, he opens your eyes to how, how important community groups really are. Understanding diversity, people who love NASCAR, people who love basketball, just how they can all just come together and really, you know, serve one God and be about one thing, and that's about people. You know, everybody goes through things in their life, and, and to have a group of people that support you, um, that are around you to help you through those times, um, you know, you can't put a price tag on that. I love that last line there. You can't put a price tag on that. But you know what? That's what the church is all about. That's what coming together is all about. That's what we're talking about here from John 17, that we would be one, that we would be united, that we would have people that would dream the dream with us and encourage us and build us up and have that kind of community. And here's what I'd like for you to do right now. In the seat pocket in front of you, there's a card that says community groups. I just want to challenge you to take that step. I want to challenge you. Maybe some of you have been, been kind of hesitant to get involved and to get connected. I just want to encourage you to take a step. Man, take that step. Sign up. Get connected. If you look at the card, there's just your basic information there. But then it says this. I am interested in either joining a community group or leading a community group. If you want to join a group, sign up, man. We'll, we'll call you. We'll follow up. We'll help you get connected to a group that, that is right for you and, and for your needs. And and uh, maybe some of you say, you know what, M maybe you haven't joined a community group because, because of childcare and, and uh, here, here at People's Church, we're trying to have some strategies to help people with that. And, and here's what we're doing this, this fall. We're still going to have on Wednesday nights, our Wednesday connection starting into September where we have our middle size type group. But, but this fall, we're going to give opportunity. If you want to join a Wednesday community group or lead a Wednesday community group, you'll be able to, to bring your children here and, and drop them off for our kids ministry, our youth ministry. And then you can head off to Starbucks or, or McDonald's or wherever you'd want to go and connect and be involved in community and, and have a great place for your kids to, to enjoy. Or maybe, maybe moms on, on Tuesday mornings, we're, we're having a new opportunity where we're going to have free childcare on Tuesday mornings and you'll be able to come and, and bring your children here at the church and then get together with ladies in a community group and, and encourage one another and pray for one another and have a Bible study and, and just be connected. So I want to challenge you, take that next step, man. Take that next step, sign up, 
you want to join a group, there's different categories and we'll follow up with you this week. But maybe some of you, you say, you know what? I'm ready to lead a group. Maybe you've been attending a group or maybe, maybe you haven't been attending a group, but you think, man, I'd love to lead a group. I'd love to start a community group. And, and uh, I just want to encourage you, man, don't be afraid of starting a group. You'd, you don't have to be a Bible scholar, okay, to, to start a community group. We'll give you the tools. We'll help you. You'll go through some training and you can start a community group. You can check that box here. I'm interested in leading a community group. And here's, you know, we, we take the time. You say, man, is this so important? We need to take time on Sunday morning. Yes, this is important. Life change takes place within community. You will be encouraged. You will be lifted up. You'll get connected. You'll be blessed. And guess what? You'll have a chance to be a blessing to other people when you're involved in community. So if you could fill that card out, and when we dismiss the experience in just a moment, um, the ushers will be at the back. You can just drop the card in the offering bucket as you, as you head out the doors, and then we'll, we'll connect with you and follow up with you. Let's bow our heads, please, in a word of prayer. Father, thanks for today. Thank you for your word.